Hello, and a very warm welcome to the EMG Gold podcast today. Uh, this is your host, Dan Healy. I'm the Chief Commercial Officer here at EMG Health. And for today's episode, I'm thrilled to be introducing the global brand lead for HCP Marketing at Sanofi, Jose Maria Guido Avila. To give a bit of background about Jose, for those who may not know, he's an executive with more than 15 years experience in the pharmaceutical industry at both a global and a local level, as well as an inspirational thought leader at the forefront of transforming the future of how the industry engages with healthcare professionals. Um, just last year, he was a finalist uh, in the Reuters EU Pharma Awards 2020 in the category Most Promising Agile Transformation. Congratulations on that. He has an MBA and his expertise spans multiple therapeutic areas, focusing on digital marketing, market research and digital key performance indicators. So we're very pleased to have you on the podcast today. Welcome, Jose. Thank you, Dan. And thank you for the great introduction. I really feel humbled uh, of your kind words and happy to be here. Great. Thank you very much for joining us. It's great to have. And obviously, as we were discussing sort of off, offline, for, um, obviously also known as uh, Chema. So we're going to use your uh, your name, Chema, today. That, that, that works for you. Yes, please. Chema is how people call me and how my friends call me. So it's very friendly for me. Fantastic. Now, that's good. That's good to hear. So um, I wanted to begin, if I may, by touching on the, the pharmaceutical industry's reputation in general. So given the attention and the scrutiny on the industry last year, how much do you think, if, if at all, uh, public perceptions are shifting? Yeah, I, I've been following this topic uh, recently uh, because um, in my mind, my initial reaction was that we were going to look like the the saviors, right? I thought that we could have the opportunity to look like, you know, the the, the pharmaceutical industry is leading the the world to go out of the quarantine and to sort out the situation of a let's say preventing COVID nineteen and make things going back to normal. Uh, but honestly. After, I mean, after all the things that you have seen in social media, I mean, unfortunately, social media sometimes drives the public opinion these days, as you know. Mm-hmm. And the problem that I see is that it's it polarizes opinions, right? So it gives the opportunity for radical groups or radical thinkers. It gives them a voice sometime, and that creates a, this echo bubbles. And instead of um, instead of really driving public opinion towards a positive side. What I saw actually, there is an industry research in some polls that suggests that still 50% of people are are more positive towards the industry, but the other half, it's not, right? And this shows you just how polarized uh, the situation is. Uh, And even, I mean, you would not believe that in the 21st century, we would have people like anti-vaccinating, anti-vax groups, right? But uh, unfortunately, uh, if you look at the trends in social media, these uh, these groups are, uh, for example, sometimes maybe you have heard of this that they are saying that the vaccine is going to have a, a microchip, and the and that, or that people are uh, are going to change their DNAs and and so on and so forth, uh, just because they have the the possibility to drive these discussions in social media. So I'm still. I'm not sure if it's completely positive uh, towards uh, uh, the, the perception of the industry right now, 
Um, but I would say that we do have an opportunity um, to, to drive a conversation towards a more positive perception. No, certainly. No, I like that. Like you say, it's a, it's a polarized um, situation at the moment, but th that's the key word. There is a good opportunity there. And, you know, there's a pl pl uh, proliferation at the moment of health misinformation. It's, it's proving to be a significant challenge to society and public health. So how do you think the, the industry can confront this head on and actually reclaim some of these healthcare narratives? Yeah, this is a tricky question because it goes back to our to our DNA as an industry. Because uh, ever since I have been joining this industry uh, back in 20, 2004, uh, everything I have seen is a, a trend towards becoming more let's say conservative and the compliance rules, are, compliance rules are always tighter. So if we really wanted to reclaim the healthcare narratives or if we really wanted to drive these conversations, we need to really work together with our compliance rules and, and, and be a little bit more flexible. Sometimes we are, even, even those compliance rules are, and maybe this is a very bold statement from my side, but uh, sometimes these compliance rules are even uh, for um, preventing us from driving those conversations, um, to give you to give you one example, when I was uh, when I started in this whole uh, transformation towards a more digital marketeer that I wanted to become, uh, I did some research on my own for my master dissertation, and um, and I was interviewing uh, both HCPs and patients, and I was asking them the same question, and the the HCPs were complaining because the patients would arrive to their uh, consultation already with a lot of misinformation uh, coming from digital uh, channels, right? Dr. Google. But then if, if, you, if you saw the patients, if you ask them in the question, it was, where do you go first to when you, have, uh, when you, start, when you start becoming sick uh, or you have symptoms about the flu or anything uh, related to health? And they, the first step, I, th I remember 70% of them were going to Dr. Google. So, and in between is the pharma industry. And, and, we, and we, if you try to do a campaign to educate, educate patients, you really have to undergo a lot of, um, not barriers, but I would say bureaucracy and compliance rules that you really have to comply to be able to, to drive a narrative like that. And so in the end, Patients are accessing misinformation. The pharma industry is not capable of doing anything. And the doctors are complaining because they are thinking that this misconception is driven by the pharma industry. Uh, so if we really want to, to, to change this would be change those processes, work really close with our compliance uh, teams to have an open mind for being able to drive this discussion. The second one would be, uh, Probably in, in probably another revolutionary idea here, or very bold statement, it's the pharma industry has been working with the big uh, the the big uh, tech companies like Facebook, Amazon, Apple, and Netflix in the past years. But every time you see an announcement of, for example, Sanofi collaboration with uh, I don't know Google to identify. A, diabetes symptoms earlier or to drive better diagnosis or Novartis collaborating with quantum computing uh, companies to either to improve uh, treatments 
uh, for different diseases. It's all about treatment and it's all about new therapies, right? But there is no partnership or collaboration, at least to my knowledge, to fight fake news. What if we, as an industry, worked with Facebook and Amazon and Apple and Netflix and say, let's, let's do a partnership to, to be in the front line and, and identify those fake news and be able to provide the right information for both HCPs and patients, right? And then uh, uh, be able to take our transparency to the next level, right? But um, I'm not sure this is very too bold, <laughs> but in my opinion, this is something that we should be thinking about. I love the idea. And like you say, yes, it is bold and yes, it is revolutionary. But I think sometimes people need to make bold moves in order to uh, um, to get great success off the back of it. So no, it's fascinating to hear, hear about that, Chema. Thank you. So obviously, we've we've been through a big change at the moment. I mean, since the shift to remote interactions, virtual events have become a key way for the industry to stay in contact with their customers, um, a key way, potentially the only way. Uh, when it comes to measuring the success of an event, what, what metrics would you suggest these are measured by? Yeah, I think this question actually deserves a webinar <laughs> for, for itself to be able to answer it. But um, I'm going to try to summarize briefly the, the, the main learnings that I have had in the past couple of years. Um, first of all, I think the industry it's very focused on, uh, it's obsessed with achieving as many doctors as possible to a webinar. There is an obsession everywhere. I have, uh, and I mean, I have, uh, I speak for myself uh, with some interactions with my peers, but also from people I know from the industry. Uh, all they talk about most of the times, it's how many doctors came to your webinar, right? And, and, um, it seems to me that they are thinking as the ultimate metric. Um, but then on the other hand, if you look at all the recent research uh, and webinars in the industry talking about customer experience, there is a big disconnection between both of them, right? Because uh, if you are creating a customer experience, you first of all, you have to stop thinking about uh, a webinar or a virtual event in isolation. The, the first the first the first thing we have to change is this mindset of uh, doing a webinar where marketing and medical teams are obsessed with bringing the doctors on the day of the event as many as many as many doctors as possible and switch to a to a, to a to a mindset where we say we are going to create a customer experience around the event and that customer experience is going to provide different content content about the the topic that we wanted to talk in the event through different channels and different formats, right? So then we will change completely the mindset from a number of attendees to figure out a way to measure the customer experience, right? So uh, the, the, if this doesn't, if it's not, if this is not in place uh, when you want to measure success of your event then you're just going to go back to the old ways of identifying a number of attendees and people are going to be fighting around uh, how uh, that I had 5,000 and another is going to come and say, I have 10,000 and, in, and it, they will have no insights, right? 
So whenever I hear this question or I, I hear this statement and they tell me, you know what, Chema, I had a webinar and I had 5,000 attendees, I immediately, my next question is, and from those attendees, how many were from the target audience that you wanted to reach? So how many were, and I'm not even talking about specialty, right? Because this is like a hygiene factor. I'm thinking about were these doctors, uh, the doctors that you normally bring to your webinars and they're all the time coming back and listening to the same message, but there is no impact in their behavior? Or were, they, were, were you able to convince other types of physicians that maybe had some misconceptions about the treatment guidelines or they didn't really know the how to treat or how to diagnose. And then after your webinar, they maybe came out with new knowledge about the, the way to diagnose a patient. And, and they have no clue. People have no clue when I ask these questions. Uh, because again, they are thinking, they are, they are having the webinar mindset of doing a, something digital and then bringing doctors to it without caring if they had an impact. So I'm gonna get to the point. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the 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 metrics that I recommend. Uh, I'm just setting this in. Um, so if you really want to measure, if you're planning for a customer experience, and you want to measure a customer experience, your first question you have to ask is, what is that equivalent of a smile in the digital world, right? Because in the in the face-to-face -face world, you see the person. And you see if the person is happy, if the person is angry, or if the person is faking to be happy or faking to be angry. But you you have all those cues. But in the digital world, in a webinar, how do you know if your doctor was successful with the experience on of the events, right? So this is a, this is the first part. And the second part is the success depends on what is the behavior you want to change, right? Like I was mentioning before. To give you one very basic example, if you were trying to to uh, to have doctors open an email, you would your your metric is open rate, right? If you want your doctors to download a paper, your key metric is download rate, right? So it's 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 as simple as that. So redefining first what is the behavior you want to change, and then you will find your metric immediately. Um, so you, those metrics, you have to identify it through the customer journey, right? Because those metrics are going to be meaningful throughout the moment where you invite the doctor, the moment where the doctor engages with your content, and the moment where the doctor takes an action based on that content. Uh, but ultimately, if you really think about customer experience and metrics that are really important, I would recommend customer experience scores. And there are different solutions in the industry. So there are many companies that are providing already this, this measurement of customer experience scores or as basic as net promoter score. You can also ask how, how likely are you to recommend my webinar to others? And that's going to give you somehow a level of understanding if the doctors were happy and were, would be willing to recommend your webinar. I mean, this was a very long answer, but I hope I was able to to provide you with uh, a good uh, overview. Thank, thanks, Chema. No, it's really, really insightful. I I really like that 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 look at the it's it's all about the behavioural change. But 
the question that's going to stick with me there, which I like, is what's the equivalent of a smile in a digital world? So no, thanks, thanks, thanks for the answer there. It's I suppose it bring, brings us on. We are in that digital world at the moment. The whole world is reporting digital fatigue uh, because of the screen overexposure, sitting in front of the laptops all day. How, how can we as an industry account for this when we're seeking to engage with the, the healthcare professionals in 2021? Um, yes, um, I think we are all facing uh, digital fatigue these days. And when I, and the reason why I say all of us, it's because sometimes we forget that doctors are people too, right? Same as we are, same as we are facing a lot of uh, time in front of the screen, they are doing it the same. They are, and on top of that, they're having a lot of stress because they have to treat uh, COVID patients if they have to, uh, or they have to continue their clinical practice. So all of these things are playing a role into this overexposure of to, to this digital fatigue, right? So first of all, I think we have to forget about this webinar mindset again, <laughs> because uh, I'm really critical about it. Um, so the first thing we have to do to, to, to find out a way to engage better with HCPs, it's to really become data-driven. And honestly, I know this is a very buzzword in the industry, data-driven decisions and 360 customer view. But if you really look, have a, a culture in your company to look at the data and ask your questions, what is the data telling me? And say, what is the, what is the preference of my customer? How is it changing right now? Then we should be able to start a, a providing a better solution for the doctors to avoid this digital fatigue. For example, for many years, <laughs> the MCE teams have been focusing on standardizing the processes to do campaigns. And in my mind, again, I'm trying to be uh, uh, as critical as possible. In my mind, standardizing a customer experience, it's wrong because your customer experience, it's individualized. It has to be, uh, you have to properly be able to adapt, right? So if you're focused on creating uh, as many standardized possible channels for your customers and your customers are saying, I want an individualized experience, then here is the first disconnection, right? So in this case, the doctors are probably needing, needing a, a more individualized experience that can help them avoid the digital fatigue and be able to, and the, and the pharma industry should be able to respond to that need, right? So um, one of the researches that I read recently, it's uh, that people were shifting to podcasts. Like today we are the best example, right? People are actually uh, having a preference because they don't want to see more screen time. They prefer to listen to a podcast when they are driving or washing the dishes or I don't know, just sitting relaxed and drinking wine <laughs> or, uh, and uh, if you, if, if we as an industry are able to start identifying this, this shifts in preference, then this is, uh, then we will be able to become a, to provide a more tailored experience. And we would be really data driven, right? As, as we claim to be sometimes in this, uh, in this industry webinars that we 
or who is speaking about. Um, but there is a caveat that I that I was thinking um, when you ask this question. Um, there is a, I think the pharma industry has a tendency to go to a comfort zone. And this is historically, this comfort zone has been historically sticking with us. Uh, be, before COVID, for example, the comfort zone was just armies of sales representatives repeating messages to the doctors, visiting them, and people in the headquarters, you know, just creating uh, visual aids or detail aids and no regard of the preference of the customer, right? And, and we were able to maintain the industry for so many years like that with profits. So there was no need to change. And now after COVID, I think that our comfort zone is becoming webinars and emailings. And, and this is what we have to be careful because if we just go immediately into webinars and emailings and remote promotion, then we're just going to continue doing the same. And at some point, there's going to come another black swan to push us to, to, to become better. And we're going to continue driving this digital fatigue to the doctors. So I would say for avoiding this digital fatigue, the key point is customer experience. Uh, and for marketeers and medical managers, so that you really understand what this customer experience means to you, it's before thinking about doing another webinar, think about the tsunami of webinars that are already in the market. Think about all the emails that a doctor receives per day, right? Some In, in some cases, I have heard that doctors receive in average 15 emails per day. So. I don't even I don't know if I am even being conservative given the amount of webinars in the market, but think about this. So if you if you truly focus on customer experience and you become customer centric, you will think twice to do to organize another webinar, and you can find a better way to do it, and just like other companies do in in other places. Like for example, uh, Netflix. Netflix, it's uh, they they they're in the business of providing content in the least amount of effort to their customers. We should be following the same steps, right? And um, this would be my recommendation. I love it, I love it. It's the, we had a client uh, end of last year who wanted us basically to put together a format for clients, sorry, for healthcare professionals that they could consume a symposium whilst walking the dog because they were fed up with uh, having to stare at the screen. So no, definitely. Um, Definitely love the idea there, Gemma. Great. So the experience is is obviously a big part of what you were talking about, and the experience for sales reps in general um, has been obviously it's constantly evolving. And they've had a, a lot of impact this year. How, how do you view the role of a sales rep following this intense period of digital transformation, and as we enter this this new kind of normal? Um. I think the short answer to that um, it's that they have to become experts in customer experience. Um, because, I mean, we have heard that they have to evolve and we, we have heard that they have to become orchestrators and so on. But really, I don't think that really we have really nailed it. And I think the key is because we haven't put effort on really training them 
on changing the mindset towards thinking about the customer experience. So to give you uh, to give you my idea and, and my vision that I was brainstorming with some colleagues the other day, uh, if you think about giving them a proper knowledge about customer experience, imagine your rep being able to think about orchestrating a customer experience throughout different channels. It's a completely different mindset to think about rep-triggered emails and remote detailing, right? <laughs> because when the, when this orchestrator rep uh, concept came to the, to the industry some years ago, I think it was in 2015, uh, everybody went into rep-triggered emails and remote promotion. And, and there was no connection between a proper segmentation aligned with other functions of the organization and the right content for those uh, for those uh, for those new experiences but the most important there was no focus on thinking about the, the the creation of a customer experience if you ask any company right now how much they have invested in training the reps to understand how to create cx or customer experience i think that the the percentage is going to be very few very, very low, sorry. So um, that's why I think we need to change the mindset first. The, 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 the job description has to have a customer experience knowledge as a must, right? Because then they will be able to understand that their job has changed and that just repeating messages as they used to do in the past, it, it's enough. Or even in the, in the best case, in the best of the cases, just repeating the messages. Sometimes just building the relationship and not even talking about the brand was even enough. But nowadays, building, build, building trust through a digital channel, it's so much difficult. Imagine, imagine if you as a sales rep, you don't have access to the doctor only by WhatsApp. How can you build trust through WhatsApp, right? So it's all about coming back to use, instead of thinking, I'm gonna use digital channel to interact with the doctor, to change to a mindset where the, the, the representative says, "I'm going to change the mindset of this doctor. I'm going to convince. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to help him to diagnose better the patients. And how I'm going to do that is by providing him with a proper experience through the channel that it's the most effective to him or to her, right? So with this, they should be able to create more meaningful uh, interactions." It's just like, for example, uh, with your friends, right? So, right now in the lockdown, you 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 cannot you don't have access to your friends only by WhatsApp or by Zoom, but the connection is already established. You already have a friendship that was built in a face-to-face -face interaction. If you wanted to do a friendship right now through a digital platform, you can probably do it, and it can probably work for some people. But it's not just—it's not just the platform that it's gonna drive the the connection. It's you. It's you being at your best by connecting with this person through a digital channel, being able to create a friendship. So, if I put that analog there, it's the same thing with the with the sales rep. So, if they have this challenge now, the key for them, I think, is to switch to customer experience create an, uh, an environment where they can uh, 
think about changing the behavior of the doctors or educating them to towards providing a better care for their patients and and then the marketing teams being able to provide them the right tools um, and this is critical because if the sales rep imagine that we had this utopical situation where the sales rep is already trained they are experts in customer experience and they have everything to succeed and then suddenly the marketing team is like oh great then we have a visual aid for you a detail aid here you go and then the rep is expecting a content to manage across different channels and the marketing team is thinking about the detail aid then it's going to be a failure right it's like if the sales rep is expecting to ride a ferrari and the marketing team is building a bicycle right so you you need to see it also as a holistic uh, approach yeah makes make makes sense and your your passion for the customer experience really shines through on these answers it, it's great to see because it's it is crazy when you sit back and look and think there's the option of obviously having a much more personalized approach versus what could be seen as a bit of a one size fits all approach at the moment so no like you say invention and innovation is needed to uh, to build that customer experience um for, for, so it works benefits both sides so we we were talking briefly before we um before we came on about the uh, sort of the benefits of a uh, hot weather versus the cold weather and uh, i know you're you're based in germany i believe so it'd be interesting to hear fast forward a few months why should our and sorry when we're out of the covid um the covid situation we're in why should our listeners place germany where you're currently situated on their post pandemic travel list well the beer <laughs> what else <laughs> no uh <laughs> no i was going to say the beer and no speed limits in the autobahn but <laughs> uh, no i think that uh, if you look at germany um i was really surprised when i came here because uh, the beauty the beautiness of the landscapes that you find here uh, it's amazing you can be driving uh, randomly in in, in uh, through different towns and the landscape the their architecture it's really really beautiful and you have many options you can look at landscapes you can visit castles you can go to the nature there is a lot of nature you can have lakes you have you have parks and it's it's really it's really a place where you can have fun and and you can really uh, you can really enjoy a, a nice trip um, but also if you think about it from the safety perspective um, in germany germany is a place where rules are respected right so if you if there is a rule you will expect people to follow it and not pushing the boundaries and this is and this is critical for for a post pandemic uh, place right because if there is going to be a rule in the post pandemic world about i don't know social distancing uh, germany you you can we can be sure that germans are going to be very critical on keeping the safe distance uh, so you will be safe uh, and uh, the healthcare system covers everything. Uh, so in case of any issues, you will be cared. And there's plenty of space as well. So Germans love big spaces. So as far as I have seen, they like to they like big spaces and big cars. So you have enough enough space for social distance. And uh, I think the only thing that you need is, I mean, German is not that hard, honestly. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. uh, no, it's really hard. <laughs> I'm just being uh, ironic, but. Uh, if you want to know the basics, you can, you have to say "Ein Bier bitte," and then you will be able to get your beer 
and who's in the toilet and then you will be able to find the bathroom. And that's all you need, I think. <laughs> that's perfect. That's all you need, I suppose. As long as you know where the beer is and you know where the bathroom is, you're uh, you're um, you're sorted. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, th thank you for that. There'll be, um, I'm sure, um, post pandemic. Hopefully, some of our listeners will have uh, added Germany to their uh, to their travel list. But Gemma, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Uh, fascinating, obviously, to hear your insights into so many of these exciting areas and. Um, just wanted to thank you really for joining me to share your thoughts on these particular topical subjects. I'm, I'm sure you've left our listeners with lots to think about as they consider how to approach the, the upcoming year. Um, and thanks all to our listeners. Um, do remember to tune in again every Tuesday on Apple, uh, Spotify or wherever you get your podcast from. I've been Dan Healy. Please take care. And we look forward to having you all again next week on the EMG Gold podcast.